Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, and thank you for joining me today on the Homestead Education Podcast. I just want to take a moment and tell everyone how much I appreciate all of my listeners. This podcast is growing so rapidly, and so thank you so much for all your downloads and shares, and just please keep spreading the word. Uh, The Homestead Education Facebook group that I recently launched has so many new members. As it grows, it's going to continue to be a place for learning, teaching, connecting, and inspiring fellow homesteaders. So be sure to follow the link in the show notes to join. All right, so what is happening on our homestead? I have been working my booty off on getting the junior high version of the Homestead Science book finished up by the end of the month, like I've promised everybody. Whew, it is a lot of work, but I am absolutely loving how it's turning out. Uh, My husband's work schedule has been really crazy lately, and I'm at home with all the kids, which makes it really difficult to write in case you didn't already know that. But, you know, Uh, the junior high version, I mean, it's looking at being an amazing full um, science curriculum like I had envisioned. I mean, I'm looking at three, four hundred pages just for the text, and that doesn't even include the workbook. So it's going to be a really exciting piece. The raised beds that I've been telling everybody about, we are finally getting going on them. If you go to Instagram, I've been sharing it on my stories and my highlights in the uh, my garden highlights. They're coming along really great. Everybody has been helping. Um, kind of, I was joking with my son at one point, my 17 year old, he was building beds and, you know, I, I designed them and I got all the products and went out and measured everything and taped everything out and then asked him to start building beds while I went inside and started working on my book a little bit more. And, you know, dad not home, he's kind of having to step up a little bit. And I went out and I said, make sure you're taking lots of pictures and then texting them to me. So as it happens, I can add it to my Instagram stories and show everybody, you know, that how it's going with us building the homestead or building the planner boxes. And I kind of had to laugh because I said to him, I was like, well, I guess I'm not building anything. And he's like, nope, you're not. And I said, but you know, I'll trade places with you. You can go in and write a book. He's like, are you kidding me? I can't even write my own name. <laughs> but I mean, I guess that doesn't really do a huge plug for my homeschooling, but he's not the, he's never been the biggest uh, school kid. He's more about the trades. So just kind of had to laugh on that one, but it is, it's definitely still a group effort. Um, we are getting ready to farrow. We have are having a late spring farrowing this year, which is when all of our pigs kind of have their babies at the same time and I sell the piglets. We keep a few back to raise out for meat for ourselves or to sell, um, but mainly sell our piglets. And usually we do a group in January that we sell for 4-H pigs. And then we do another group, usually about May, that I sell to other homesteaders and farmers that want to have pigs to raise out for themselves. But with some setbacks that we have this year, we are just getting around to our like late spring farrowing. And I know for sure we're going to have 
two pharaoh this week and i think we're looking at two to four more in the next few weeks and oh man i'm so excited to have babies again they're just they are so cute and um fun to have around and i enjoy meeting everybody that comes and buys piglets but we have some work to do on our farrowing crates because our sow annie who i've talked about before the one who beat up our boar our baby boar uh, she uh, decided to take out a couple of fences in our farrowing barn. So get to clean that up. She's starting to be on my nerves. But, you know, she's a good mom and she produces well. So it's it's a hard one to uh, consider what we want to do with her long term. Uh, this week, we are also having uh, our 4-H dairy meeting on our property, which is always fun. It gives us a chance to have all the kids out there working with the cows and we definitely have some work to do to get ready for that because our staunch area is not clean because we haven't been milking lately and we have to go catch our spoiled heifer who we were working on the halter uh, about a month ago and she got away from my son and got back out into pasture with everybody so we need to go deal with that but we're having a hard time getting anything done because the amount of rain in north idaho oh my gosh it is crazy like even today we just sat here and watched the thunderstorms roll across the valley and just dump rain on us, which, I mean, if you follow the homemade revelation at all on uh, social media, you'll see some of the pictures of our valley. And I mean, it's amazing. And to watch those storms roll across is it's something. But we got to keep trucking even with the rain. So did you guys happen to see any of my reels about the weeds on Instagram? Oh, my gosh. I jokingly said that I think it's rained for 40 days and 40 nights in North Idaho. And the only thing that made it on the arc was weeds. I mean, the rain stops, the sun comes out for just a few minutes, and we have weeds chest high. It is absolutely insane. And I'm trying to keep those under control because my father-in-law is coming to visit this week and he hasn't seen our house since we were uh, in contract like four, yeah, four years ago. And I just, I want to be able to enjoy our yard and I feel like I'm being closed in by weeds. So yeah. Anyways, this week's episode, I bet you guys were wondering a little bit why in the world a homestead podcaster would be recording an episode with the title throwing in the towel on your homestead. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about giving up. I'm not talking about giving up on your whole homestead. I'm talking about deciding where to focus your efforts when you're feeling burned out or overwhelmed or just need to be more intentional about where you allocate like your finances and your time. And this discussion actually came up when I was talking to my husband about episode topics. He wanted to spend his father's day working on the homestead with the family. And with his crazy schedule lately, he hasn't been able to just keep up on his regular chores, let alone working with all of us and just spending time with us. So it it brought up a conversation of balancing our desires over our responsibilities, where we usually spend Father's Day going fishing or for a drive or something like that. Of course, nobody can afford to drive these days. But he was really like, I want to finish our flower beds or our raised garden beds, which we didn't finish, but we worked on a lot of other really great projects together. Um, and with that, I hope that everybody had a great Father's Day. 
Uh, mine's always a little hard because I lost my dad five years ago and he was he was kind of one of those the man, the myth, the legend types of guys. So uh, not having him around has definitely been hard. And it just really makes me thankful that I have the husband that I have who is so hands on with our kids and just always there for our family and our community and just no matter what needs to be done. We decided to spend our day doing chores versus like fishing. Something that we talk about a lot is chores don't always have to be a burden. I mean, there's definitely enjoyable chores versus fun chores. Like my husband loves mowing. He gets to be out there on his equipment by himself, uh, listen to music or whatever it is that he listens to. I think he listens to scanners most of the time, maybe music. I don't know. He loves listening to police scanners. Um, And he mows our yard and it looks so beautiful afterwards and that makes him feel good. Now, getting him up to fix the farrowing crates, that's a whole nother story because that's a chore that needs to happen versus something that he enjoys doing to keep our property looking nice. And that brought up our conversation of a principle that a lot of entrepreneurs and other business people practice called the 80-20 rule. Some people have heard of it. It's the Pareto principle that states for many outcomes, roughly 80% of the consequences come from 20% of the causes. In other words, a small percentage of the causes have a larger effect. Now, Forbes magazine calls the says that this can change your life and that actually the effects of this principle have been studying, studied and proven. So in business, this translate as 80% of products usually produce 20% of profits. But with homesteading and entrepreneurship, or really with any life practice, I use the principle to say that 80% of my time and efforts and finances should be focused on the 20% of activities that produce the most income or provide the most in returns. In fact, there's a great book called The 80-20 Principle by Richard Koch, Uh, I'll link it in the show notes. If you're feeling like overwhelmed with any of your endeavors, I highly suggest adopting this principle and narrowing down your focus. But basically, it's just a fancy way of saying set your priorities. And I know for a lot of people that's hard. And so I, that's why I love this principle so much is because it really gives a direction to the overwhelm. Um, For me, an example is like when I'm working on my business, am I working on writing my book that I have people waiting for and there will be profit coming from once I finish versus spending a little time redesigning my website. Now, having a attractive website, there's, I mean, definitely a lot that shows that having an attractive website that's easy to read and has follows your branding is going to bring in more profits than one that doesn't. However, people can come to your website all day long. If you don't have a product that produces income, it doesn't matter what your website looks like. Now, like on my homestead, an example of that is keeping my taking the time to keep my sows healthy versus brushing out my milk cow. Now, my milk cow, she needs to be brushed regularly to, you know, keep her healthy and clean and you know a couple of our girls we show and when we are milking especially if we're doing any open container milking they need to be brushed out regularly to keep 
hair and dirt and things like that from building up on them and then getting into our milk. Right now, they're dry and we're not working with them regularly. So brushing my milk cow definitely doesn't need to be at the top of my priority list where my sows who are, I mean, I have to keep their nutrition really high because they're on a constant cycle of farrowing one month out um, from farrowing. I wean the babies. I give them a month to get their weight back on and they go right back in and get bred. And so they're having usually two litters a year, if not a third one, depending on when their first farrowing was. I have to stay on top of their health and nutrition all the time. Now, another example is canning instead of bread making during canning season. I love homemade bread. Kids love homemade bread. It definitely big picture saves us money. But when I have tons and tons of canning to do, and it's taking up the majority of my day, but once I'm done, I'm going to have products that last us all year and get us through tight spots and provide us with the highest quality uh, food that our family can be consuming. Canning takes a priority over making bread when for a couple week long period, I can easily pick up loaves of bread for a couple of dollars that are still on the healthier end of the breads that can be bought in the store. Don't cost me a ton of money. And I can focus my efforts on something that has a larger return on my investment, which in this case is my investment of time. Now, speaking of investing on your homestead, looking at what animals and projects you're investing your money, your profits, assets on is, are you investing your money in companion animals versus profit producing activities? You know, this kind of came up at one point, my husband, before he ever actually raised goats, really like any goat that looked at him sideways, he wanted to bring home, he loved them all. And but we grew up differently. I grew up on a ranch, he kind of just grew up in a farm town, but never had a farm or ranch of his own. And I said, if you want to bring home goats, that's great. I'm excited to go into this endeavor with you. But we're not just going to pick up like every little weather that looks cute, which a weather is a castrated goat. So I mean, they can't produce and they're males. And I said, we're going to invest in a goat herd. So we actually ended up investing in a herd of boar goats, which are meat goats, and a herd of Nubian dairy goats um, at different times, but we ended up with two different herds. And I'll talk about it a little bit later, but the dairy goats for sure we decided just weren't for us. They didn't provide the amount of milk that we needed for our family. And my husband wasn't a huge fan of the milk and uh, it just wasn't the right endeavor for us. When we decided to sell those goats, they were top dollar goats and we were able to get our money back plus also be selling babies that we didn't have originally. And I used that money, part of that money to go to real estate school. So I mean, we were able to take an investment that we had on our property and turn it into another investment for our lives versus my husband bringing home a bunch of free goats that we fed for a year and realize that they weren't going to have any profit profitability for us and turn around and have to give them away. And at the end of the day, we were just out money. I don't feel that we lost any money on our goat endeavor. 
in fact, I think we might have made money. I'm not really, I never did add it up completely, but because we were selling milk, it's legal in our state. And we were selling uh, the kids. I think in the end, we probably came out ahead. How does this apply to throwing the talent on your homestead? I'm talking about when it doesn't feel good anymore, when you can't afford things, and when there's too much to be done. So with that, seeing what is happening with the downturn of our economy right now and concerns about supply chain disruptions, especially in the food industry, where there have been a huge number of plants and animals destroyed lately. And when I say plants, I'm talking about food plants, like big production plants. I think uh, in the United States, we've lost 56 in the last year. I'm not sure about those numbers. So don't quote me, but that number, it's up there. And to lose that many food plants in the last year, along with huge herds of cattle and things like that, um, dying and whole swine plant, pig plants, having to euthanize. It's just, it's a mess. And that's really scary to us when, I mean, we look at being able to have food to provide for our family. So I feel like I can talk candidly about this because we're facing these concerns ourselves. Kind of at the end of the day, though, I don't have a ton of fear because I really feel confident in the decisions that we've made and the priorities that we're setting in that we are working towards self-sufficiency and have a lot of things in place that will continue to keep us sufficient. Um, I know like during the COVID lockdowns, when we couldn't go to the grocery store and when we could get to the grocery store, there was limits. We there wasn't a whole lot that we needed for because we were providing it for ourselves on the ranch. However, here's some of the choices that we've made this year when we talk about this concept of throwing in the towel or changing direction in what we see as important. So last year, the Pacific Northwest was struck with a massive heat wave and there was no hay, no hay anywhere. Nobody had hay. Um, We were able to have a neighbor who drives semi truck pick up a whole load for us over in Montana. It was a slightly lower quality hay. And we, but we were able to get a really reasonable price on it um, by buying a whole semi truck. But at this point, we had three horses and I think four cows, maybe five cows. I can't remember right at this moment. We needed to look at where our priorities were. When we sat down and discussed it, we decided that our horses just weren't being used as much as we would have liked. And the thing is, we didn't, we ended up selling them, but we didn't sell them to be able to afford hay. We sold them to expand on our cow herd because we could feed this lower quality hay with the addition of a cattle protein tub and have continued profits and meat from these additional cows in the future that the horses just wouldn't be able to provide for us. Another thing that we did is I talked about our meat goat herd, um, our boar buck, he was gorgeous, just all black just really special and beautiful. But we rented him out a lot. He was our herd sire. He got out of his pen and he overate on pig gray and and died from bloat before we could get to him. It was really sad. He was a really sweet guy. But we decided to have a long discussion about if we wanted to replace him or sell our goat herd. And this happened to come at a crucial time in our pig operation, where we opted to sell off the rest of our goats and use the money to build the farrowing pens that we were going to need now that we have more than one or two sows farrowing at a time. 
basically it came down to if we were going to keep an animal in our homestead, it had to provide revenue or a usable product or a service like our livestock guardian dog or even our lab, who's an excellent companion to our children. And I feel just safer knowing that he's with them, especially when they're out wandering on our property. Comes to some of our other projects. This is kind of where it comes into what I'm going to take on. I love the idea of a chicken garden. That's where you grow various herbs, grains, and um, greens for chickens to free range. They eat bugs and, you know, you save on grain and you have winter extras. Unfortunately, being able to afford the fencing to keep deer out and the time required to cultivate an additional garden, as well as moving chickens back and forth in and out, I found that the benefits just don't outweigh the investment. I can buy grains for my chickens at a reasonable cost, especially during their long non-laying season where I don't have to keep up their protein levels. What I can do is I can add a little extra to my current gardens where I'm able to provide them with sunflower seeds and extra squashes. And this is kind of the example of balancing my desires over my responsibilities. I want a chicken garden, but it's not irresponsible of me to not have a chicken garden. So I don't need to add the additional stress of time management or finances towards this project at the time. But then we have to think about the rising cost of grain and the disruptions in supply chain. This is valid. At this point, I am not starting a kitchen garden. I probably will throw out some extra grains for them because I buy them in bulk. And I have some from a couple years ago, so I don't want my germination rates to go down too far. But... When you really think about it, homesteaders of the past didn't have specialty grains for their chickens, and they didn't have these giant breasted fast growing birds either. Now, this is partially from not feeding them to the extent that they are now, but they also didn't have the specialty birds that needed these specialty grains. Chickens, they're omnivores, and many varieties are great free rangers. They eat bugs, mice, drop grain from other animals. Gross as it may be, they will actually even eat non-spent grains out of the manure from the larger animals, especially when they're free-ranging around the garden or the barnyard. They'll pick seeds out of the hay bales and they love chicken scraps. So a lot of the things that you don't eat from your vegetables, like the seeds that you scrape out of melons or something, chickens love those things. And honestly, you'll be surprised at how productive and healthy free-range chickens are with minimal feed provided by you. Now, if you have backyard chickens where their only options are a lawn or what you feed them, that's not something that you can really move on a lot. But when you have a whole homestead and permaculture type situation happening, chickens need very little additional. Like I can put a 50 pound sack of feed in their feeder and we have, I don't even know how many chickens we have at this point, um, probably 20 or more definitely more right now because we have our meat birds out in the free ranging and stuff. We open the chicken coop and let them free range. And we're still getting the same amount of eggs, if not more. That 50 pound sack of grain might even last two months when I think I spend $15 on it. And they deal with all sorts of pests around barnyard and with eating all the spent extra spent grains and things that my kids spill, it definitely reduces on my waste. With this, basically what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be perfect to be okay. It actually reminds me of this like debate of the 
breastfed versus formula fed newborns. And you know, the bottom line is, is fed is best. Now there's a whole science of the exact formula that chickens need to provide the most perfectly nutritious egg. But at the end of the day, being slightly off on some trace mineral isn't going to throw everything out of whack. Your chickens are still going to be healthy and they're still going to provide nutritious eggs. On the flip side, when it comes to nutrition and where something should be considered an exact science is, for example, feeding dairy cows or how I mentioned with my pigs earlier. If you want maximum production from a dairy cow that doesn't affect the health of the cow and to have optimal flavor and a cream ration, nutrition is really important. And dairy nutrition isn't something that I studied heavily in college. So I do a lot of research when it comes to deciding what rations to feed my cow. I buy a dairy mix from our feed mill. I work really closely with my vet. So what this boils down to is where do I focus my priorities? And want to know a secret? If everything shut down tomorrow and I couldn't provide the specialty grains to my lactating cows, she would still provide an adequate amount of milk for my family. She'd keep herself healthy, meaning she wouldn't produce so much milk. Her body would just naturally reduce on the amount of milk that she produces to keep her body functioning well. And she would still provide us with beef calves every two years or every year, depending on our breeding schedule. It's going to provide meat back to our family. It just may not be at her max production. Okay, so now that I've convinced you that it's okay to not do it all and choose to spend your time and money on tasks that give you the highest return on investment financially and with self-sufficiency, I want to take a second to talk about the other 20%. Fill this time with things that give you joy. Not that your other homestead activities don't give you joy. But this is a great time to plant the extra flowers. Go ahead and get the mini goat that's just fun and cute to have around the yard. Or start saving for that future project. One of my future projects is that I want to have my poultry closer to the house for my enjoyment, for pest control in my gardens. Now, my chickens are fine right where they are. And that can be something that is easily put on our back burner. But I do spend some of my brain time and my actual physical time researching coop ideas and trying to decide where I want to put this future coop that'll work the best with my garden and my permaculture situation. The second part that I want to cover is how do you take everything that needs to be done on your homestead and decide what is a priority? Because let's be real, everything needs to be done, right? The maintenance? Yes. You have to feed every day. You have to water every day. You have to can every season. You have to start seeds every spring. It's not like you can just say, I can't afford to feed that cow anymore, so I'm just not going to. This is where I have a little bit of a system that works really well in our family. Maybe take some notes if you're sitting down and can, or come back and listen to this later. What my husband and I do is one to two times a year, we sit down and discuss our big goals. Now, I'm not saying that we don't chat on our goals every time we drive to town together or something, but we actually take some time to sit down and actually write them down. Put them on something that we're going to see them and remember what our goals are. You know, are we focusing on advancing our self-sufficiency? What animal produced the most last year? 
what did we eat the most of out of our canned products? I guess the canned products one is maybe a little bit further down the list, but definitely like, are we focusing on self-sufficiency or are we talking on like bringing more revenue in on the farm? Are we talking about getting the kids more involved? Like what our really big goals are? Then we make a list of everything that needs to be done on our homestead in the coming season. That way we can see it all on paper. Now, the reason we don't do a whole year is because that can be really overwhelming. Now, this discussion will talk about things that are happening big picture in the full year. Like when we talked about the canned products, like, hey, we went through all the green beans really fast last year. So this year when we're starting our gardens, we want to add extra green beans. If we want to do more, we're going to have to put it on our list that we need to build additional trellises. So even though that's to make sure we have enough to can in the fall, our priorities right now are what needs to happen on our farm in the spring. So that's where we make a list of what needs to be done. Then we prioritize this list. You know, you can prioritize it from one to 10 or you can put stars next to the ones that like absolutely have to get done like first. And we put this list like once we're done with this list, we actually put it somewhere that where we can see it all the time. So that when my husband does have a day where he's just fiddling around in the yard, he can pick which things needs to happen. But our decision making with our prioritized list, it's not the simple part. And the reason I say it's not easy is just because something is at the bottom of the list, for example, it's, you know, with a lot of things when you're like talking money and you prioritize the things you need. And if there's something at the bottom of the list, you kick it off. That doesn't mean that doesn't work the same on a homestead. So maybe it's at the bottom of the list because you already handled the bulk of it in the previous year or season and only something small needs to be done this year. That doesn't make it any less important. But say, for example, something that needs to be done is getting a new timer for your irrigation system. Having that timer is going to save you so much time. It's going to make sure that your garden is producing the most that it possibly can. It's going to maximize production. And it's going to take a huge layer of stress off of you so that you can move on to something else that needs to happen. The reason it's lower on your priority list is because you obviously already put in an irrigation system, maybe in the previous year. And you can still water your garden by just walking over and turning on the spigot and watering it manually. And then when you get to the hardware store, you pick up that timer and get it on the hose. But it that is not going to be at the top of your priority list, but you're definitely not going to mark it off of your list completely until it's done. Where your highest priority item might be I don't know, the roof collapsed on the goat barn. That's a pretty major thing. Because, I mean, goats need a place to live. But this is where you might say to yourself, I haven't sold any goats lately. Milk production was down last season. Or only half of our goats were bred back. And this is where you ask yourself, will this be corrected if I fix the barn? Will they be more comfortable and stay warmer and you'll have, you know, you'll lose less kids and milk production will be higher if this barn is fixed, then yeah, that needs to stay on your priority list. Whereas if you go, all of our productions were down last year before the roof even collapsed. 
maybe sticking with goats isn't your highest priority right now. Maybe this is a really good time to sell the goats and use the money to afford the repairs or maybe to invest in new genetics while you do the repairs. Or if you don't want to get rid of your goats, taking a break from doing any production with them like milking and send them out to pasture where they're doing fire control while you're fixing their barn and next season you get back into production with them. It's okay to kind of not do it all or to prioritize things in different ways or give these animals different jobs. Like they're not going to be part of your milk production this year. They're going to be fire prevention. And next year they're going to be back into milk production and you're going to have a really nice barn because you had all the time in the world to fix their barn rather than milking a couple times a day. The next thing we do is when we're making decisions like these, we often have a family meeting and discuss it with the kids. There's three reasons for this. Not that the kids get to make all the decisions on our farm, but the first reason is because they do a lot of the feeding on the farm. They're the ones looking at the animals twice a day. They might have seen something that we didn't. So that we may not be tracking something. So we need their input as to what's going on. And they may not know that we're planning on making changes and not have some information that we might need based on that. The next piece is that sometimes they have plans with animals, such as showing them in fair. Now, usually we have those conversations and I already know which animals they're planning on using. So if there's something like, I tell my daughter to go practice showing a chicken and turns out she's been practicing showing a certain chicken that hasn't laid an egg in a year. So we decided to call that chicken, I might wait till after fair to go ahead and call that chicken so that she can show the bird that she's feeling comfortable with at that time. Now, the last part is this teaches them how to make researched decisions and educated decisions. At the end, my husband and I generally make the final decision and I don't carry any guilt over, you know, a kid not wanting me to sell because they have a pretty cow or something like that. Once we decide to increase our efforts or stick with something or throw in the towel on something, this is not where the decision making ends. This is where the action step comes in. This is where we do our research. This is where we decide what actually needs to happen. So as I stated before, you can't just stop feeding a cow. When making your decision, decide what the fate of that animal is. And in fact, on my website, I have a livestock hauling post and guide that I'll link in the show notes that really helps you decide what to do with an animal that no longer fits on your homestead. But as an example, with the cow you can't afford to feed and say you decide to butcher it, call the butcher, get on the list or decide to butcher yourself. You figure out how much longer you can afford to feed this animal, especially if she needs some fattening up. Or if the butcher gave a date that's a little further out and you need to continue feeding her longer than planned, uh, make a plan to come up with the money. Have that butcher date and then take a sigh of relief now because you've taken that stress off your plate and just follow up with the plan that you came up with. The research part, this is really important because you're figuring out how to execute your plan, like the needing more green beans. I might start my research by, you know, Googling how to build a trellis and end up coming up with a trellis idea that I can grow twice as many beans as I was imagining at half the cost 
So never take that off the table because there are so many people out there coming up with so many amazing ideas and are ready to share them with you. Right now, our country is in a place uh, where times might be a little uncertain. So my best advice is when you're deciding what takes priority is what will supply food, money, or something to barter. An example for us is choosing the dairy cows that provide milk and beef to us, as well as our pigs that have a slightly faster gestation and growth rate so that we have pork for ourselves, we have pork to sell, and we can barter with it. Everything else is extra. So of course, we have a garden and we have our chickens, but our main insurance policies, so to say, are our livestock. Someone else might be able to grow way more veggies than I'm capable of, and that would be their bread and butter. I just want to leave you with, if it's a priority, you'll find a way. Now, are you ready to start a homestead business? Do you need some direction in your current business or homestead management or even just some household management? I'm now offering consulting services that include a two-hour one-on-one strategy call, a follow-up email with a personalized plan and resource list, accountability email a month later to see if you need any direction implementing your plan, and for a limited time, a code for one free month to the Homestead Education Business Membership that'll be launching in fall of 2022. I'll put the link uh, to the coaching services in my show notes. I have over 20 years experience in business management uh, with a focus on agriculture. Now, if a strategy call isn't right for you, sign up to join the membership waitlist to be the first to know when, when it's launching and to get the early bird bonuses. The membership will feature monthly business courses, guest teachers, membership-exclusive podcasts and videos, Zoom calls, and a forum of other homestead entrepreneurs. This episode of the Homestead Education is brought to you by Layman's Hardware, your one-stop homesteading supply store that ships all over the United States. If you follow the link in the show notes and use code TAKE20, that's T-A-K-E-2-0, you can get $20 off any purchase of $150 or more. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing!